Good morning, friends. We are in John chapter 8, and I'm confused. Kind of like Columbo. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, if you Google right now, some of you are on your phones, by the way. Uh, we have little cameras that watch these things now. But seriously, if you were to Google the I am statements of Jesus, almost everyone, whether if you're using Google, definitely you'd only get seven. If you use DuckDuckGo, you might get eight. But most of you if, you, if you Google right now, how many I am statements are there of Jesus? Seven. You'd be wrong because there's actually an eighth kind of hidden. But you're right, Will. That's what it says. That's what it says. It says there's seven. But I want you to look real quickly, and then we're going to get into our introduction, and we'll get into the whole passage. I want you to look in John 8, um, verse 57 and 58. So it says, so the Jews said to him, <clears throat> so the Jews said to Jesus, you are not 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's eight. All right, now we're going to look at that. But as you're turning and uh, you're turning to uh, John 8, and we'll begin at verse 31. Let's see, what story will I tell you? The first thing I want to tell you is when I came out this morning, I looked and you all had masks on. And you guys, it is so surreal to look out and just think like a year ago, if you'd all showed up this way, I'd be like, what, is this like something on TV? Is this a trick? It, I feel like I've gone to a different planet. But thank you guys for wearing those. And hopefully uh, a day will come soon where we have a vaccination and they're all done away with. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're starting this story uh, where Jesus is talking to some people who have believed. Uh, if you look down, look down in John 8, uh, verse 30, and Jesus had just been telling a bunch of Jews that he's the light of the world. Um, he said, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he says, uh, unless you believe that I am he, i.e. the Son of Man or Messiah, you're going to die in your sins. And um, Jesus said, hey, when you lift up the Son of Man, you're going to know that I, Jesus, am he. And then at the end of that, that uh, introduction, it says, and as he was saying these things, as Jesus was saying these things, what? Many people believed in him. Many people believed in him. The question is, what's the nature of their belief? Like a lot of people say, I believe, I believe, right? Well, do you really believe? Or is it just a bunch of mental information, Right? Do you really believe? Do these people really believe? That's what we're going to find out. So we leave this thing, and Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and I'm the son of man, and basically I'm the savior of the world. And it says many believed in him. But then we turn to verse 31. So that's where I want you to go real quick. Look at verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in me, or sorry, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so this is confusing to me because it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him? Is that what it says? Look in the Bible. So Jesus said to those who had believed in him. Now, I looked it up in commentaries, and some very smart fellow said it is the pluperfect. Well, excuse me, in eighth grade, I was reading Boy's Life and thinking of deer hunting and Boy Scouts. I have no idea what the pluperfect is. And I doubt many of y'all remember either. 
right? The pluperfect. But what the pluperfect is, what this, what this is indicating in the text is even though they said they believed in verse 30, right, it's looking now like they no longer believed. So we don't know what that gap is. It could have been five minutes or it could have been a longer period of time. But what we know is Jesus says who he is, said many believed in him. And now in verse 31, they're saying many who had believed in him, pluperfect. So impress your friends that you know the pluperfect. So Jesus said to these Jews who had believed in him, he, he just says a truth. And at first it sounds like a legalism, honestly. He says this, if you abide, if you remain, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So one way to read this is, if you guys study the Bible every single day really diligently, if you study it, if you spend time in the Word every single day really diligently, and you subject yourself, really, to the Lordship of God through His Word, then you will be my disciples. That's the way you could read it, right? But what do we know about that? What do we know about faith? Faith, faith is a gift. It's, this not of yourself, lest no one should boast. And so we know that faith really is a gift. It's not really you get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus and then doing all these other things and, and not doing all these other things, right? But the Lord does care how we walk. He cares how we live. Um, whether you read the Bible or not will not make you a Christian. There are plenty of non-Christians that read the scriptures, right? And what Jesus is saying, it's not so much a qualifier, like if you do all these things, then I'm going to accept you to be my son or daughter. No, it's more descriptive, right? It's more descriptive. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, these things will be true of you. Just like we know, a good fruit will bear, a good tree will bear. <laughs> Lord, I didn't have any coffee this morning. Um, so what's true of a disciple? So let's don't look at it as a legalism. Let's just look at Jesus being descriptive, talking about his sheep, his followers, his body. He says, those who are my, truly my disciples, this is, this is what's going to happen. They're going <clears> to <throat> abide in my word. And the word abide is very close to the word abode. Okay? So basically they're going to make their home in the word of God. That's going to be their place. The Bible says it's a light and a lamp to our feet. Right? It says the, the, the Bible, God's word is not burdensome. It's not burdensome. It's our very life. And so Jesus says the people that know him and love him, people that are his true disciples, the, the fact is true disciples spend time with the Lord and true disciples like to spend time in God's word. It's just something that happens. I know when I came to Christ, I hadn't, honestly, I probably hadn't spent three minutes in the Bible my whole life the first 20 years. Well, right, I didn't understand it. <clears throat> but one of the things the Holy Spirit did <clears throat> immediately after I got saved is he just gave me a hunger for the word of God. And so my going to the word of God one or two hours a day, that's when I first was reading, I was just like, wow, the scriptures are amazing. They're so life-giving. But one of the things is that God just did it. He just did it in my life. If you're one of his followers, it's just going to be true. You're going to have a hunger for his word. There's a story told of an old Jewish rabbi, and I don't think the story's true because I Googled it pretty hard, but Maybe I should duck, duck, go, go it. But anyway, two. Um, but the story is that there was a, um, a, 
a synagogue in Philadelphia that, that caught fire. I think this was, you know, sometime after the war. But anyway, it caught fire, and the police are there, and it's all marked off. And they see this crippled, bent-over old Jewish man, about 85 years old, and he's running into the synagogue. And do you know why he's running into the synagogue? Thank you. <clears throat> got a frog in my throat. I always love to see the Africans. I got a frog in my throat. They're like, what? Do you have a frog in your throat? But what happens is this man, this old Jewish man, crippled, he, he knows the scrolls are in the synagogue. And so even though it's marked off and even though the building's in flames, he runs in to save Torah, the word of God. And so Jesus is just simply making a statement, hey, if you're truly my disciples, this thing's going to be true about you. You're going you're gonna to make your home in my word. Yes, and what that means is, yes, you will spend time in my word not as a duty, but as a privilege. You, you get to do this. And you're also going to make, uh, you're going to submit your will to my will, right? You're, you're going to make your home and you're going to abide and remain in my word. And he says this, and as you do that, this also will be true of my followers. This is good news, friends. What's going to be true of his disciples, of those who are his true disciples? They're going to make their, they're going to make their abode or they're going to abide in his word come under its authority, but, but guess what else? That's not an end to itself. What's going to happen as a result of us making our home in the word of God, submitting ourselves and coming under its authority? What's going to happen? It says you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, whether people say it or not, everybody wants to know the truth, right? They may not come out and use those words, but they, Pilate says, what is truth? What is truth? Even the great Pilate, who had so much money, so much power, so much influence, so much wealth, so much everything, and yet he had to admit that he did not know what the truth was, but he wanted to know the truth. The Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. No matter what they say, how much thou doth protest, we know that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And so Jesus is just saying to these Jews who had believed, he's saying, look, if you guys really were my disciples, this is what your life would look like. You would spend time in my word. You'd come under its authority. You'd make your home there. It's a beautiful place. It's a home, not a prison. And, you'd, and you would know the truth, and the truth would set you free. Well, how did that go over? How'd that go over? Not too dang well. So these Jews who had formerly believed, they got offended, and they're like, what do you, what, what do you mean, Jesus? Truth will set us free. Hold on. We've never been anyone's slaves. We're Jews by God. We are, we are children of Abraham. How dare you say we shall be free? We are free. In fact, what did, exactly what did they say? Uh, they answered, hey, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it, Jesus, you can say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so when Jesus is asking them about their relationship, what they're saying is basically, it's like, hey, look, let me, let me just enlighten you, Jesus. Like, my relatives came over on the Mayflower. That's essentially what they're saying. Do you know who my great-great-grandfather was? Have you ever heard this where somebody's bragging about their ancestry? It amazes me. Oh, well, my relatives came over in the Mayflower. Yes, and we did a thing on Ancestry.com, and they were in the bottom of the ship because they were criminals. And you're bragging about your ancestors. 
I remember when I first came to Renwick, and I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings in South Renwick. Sorry, I love South Renwick. It's a great place. But I first came here, we were that church. Holy Rollers, they called us. I remember going to the club downtown, and some gentleman that goes to Episcopal Church down there didn't like us. He didn't even know us. He didn't like us. And he's chewing shrimp, and it's coming out of his mouth, and he says, y'all bunch of holy rollers. <laughs> and then it was followed up by a lady. She goes, you aren't from here, are you? And um, I was starting to get mad. I was trying to be Christian, trying to be a good Christian. But she kept on for like 20 minutes telling me how worthless I am. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not from here. I'll never have status here, da-da-da-da-da. And her father and her grandfather, her great-grandfather, blah, blah, blah. And they were here when it was the big lick. And I'm like, man, let me just tell you, I'm from Richmond. And uh, we call Richmond the Mecca, right? And we don't even know that the big lick existed. The point was, y'all, that was not nice. It was not Christian and bad for me. But the point was she was bragging about her ancestry. Who cares? Everybody's kin to Charlemagne. Everybody's kin to Adam, you know, right? So who was the son of God? So there you go. So Adam, the first. So let's get back to the text. So this, the Jews are basically saying, hey, um, these Jews who formerly believed Abraham is our father. So what are you talking about, Jesus? We're good. We're good because of our father. Jesus probably, if he was like me, would have been sarcastic and said, well, the funny thing is God has no grandchildren. God only has children. But the, the, the text goes on. He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You know, that really is the truth, isn't it? Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, you notice the word is practices, right? Practices sin. It doesn't mean that if you sin once, you're not a Christian. We've had people up here that have come up for salvation 13 times to the altar rail. I had a friend from Liberty. I love very much. I'm like, Charles, you don't need to come get saved again. You're saved, Charles. 13 times you're saved. And so what we see here, it's very clear. If you, if you continue in sin, like if you give yourself over to it, if you start saying, did God really say it's not just the action. It's when you change the bullseye, right? Hear me. If you're struggling with something, I don't care if you fall a thousand times. I don't care if you fall 10,000 times. Don't ever change the bullseye. Don't ever buy into the lie that was in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? So keep believing the truth. And if you fail, call out upon the name of the Lord and ask for forgiveness. But the reality is, and some of us could say, we know this reality. We've lived it. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And, you know, Flip Wilson made fun. Like, the devil made me do it. But, friends, I want to tell you that while sin is fun, I mean, it's fun, right? Like, if you're going to poison somebody, you're going to put some honey on the outside. It's fun for a while. Lick, lick, lick. It's, isn't it great? Look at this honey I'm eating. But, but could we bear witness that what the Lord says here is true? When we give ourselves over to sin and, and basically put our fist up at God and say, God, you're, 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 a, you're a liar. You're not telling the truth. You are a man that you should lie. And when we do that, the reality is we become a prisoner that sin enslaves us, almost to the point like we feel like a boa constrictor wrapping itself around our neck. And what, what Jesus is saying is good news. He says, for my disciples, they're going to stay in my word and they're going to know the truth. And 
the Son will set them free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so if you're struggling with a besetting sin this morning, let me say when I got saved, I had 25 besetting sins. And maybe five or six of them the Lord took right away. And maybe, I'm not good math, but maybe another portion of those sins, pretty quickly the Lord took them away. And there'd be like two or three that are tougher, you know, like a deep molar that you're trying to get out. What I would say, friends, is don't give up. Never change the bullseye. Remember that whoever practices and gives in and gives in to sin becomes a slave to sin. And the Lord did not die on the cross so we could be slaves. He did not die on the cross so we could be enslaved. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And it goes on. Uh, Jesus, Jesus spares no words here. I remember when I went to Beach Week, don't ever let your kids go to Beach Week. Offer them something better, a trip on a cruise line, a, you know, take them somewhere, Christian parents. Do something better than Beach Week. But Beach Week has no redeeming value in the kingdom, I can tell you, and I know because I was there. But in Beach Week, a couple of my friends and I were doing 12-ounce curls. I'll just leave it at that. We're doing 12-ounce curls, and we did a lot of them. And he's my best friend. His name's John Fox, and he might be listening today because his church is closed. But anyway, John and I were like messing around. We were very best friends. And all of a sudden, it seemed to get a little more energetic and heated. And all of a sudden, I probably pushed him. I might have. <laughs> and then the next thing that happened is he, he went right for my nose. and went poof, right to my nose. Friends, I'd never been hit in the face my whole life. He hit me in the nose. It was stunning. I don't know why people would ever... Uh, be a boxer or a fighter. I, I don't understand that. Man, it rocked my world. I had tears. And now I'm mad. And so you know what I did? I did a roundhouse because I figured I'd get more power that way. Whoosh, coming with the roundhouse. You know the problem was? He knew how to fight. I didn't. He just went, poof, again. <laughs> Friends, the second time I got hit in the nose, I'm like, this is not a sport for me. <laughs> and I mean, it hurt. It hurt a lot. And uh, finally, I found a chair, found a chair, and I kind of stopped the fight with a chair. I just leave it at that. We're still best friends today. But the point is, it hurts to be poked in the nose. And what does that have to do with the text exactly? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus right here, honestly, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Jesus right here, right here. Jesus in love, not because he's intoxicated, not because of legalism, but because of his love, he's simply telling him the truth. It might feel like a punch in the nose when he says these things to him. Like, hey, if you're really my disciple, you're going to abide in my word, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ouch! Because they didn't. Or maybe when he later says in verse 39, when they're bragging about Abraham being their father, and Jesus says, I mean, this is kind of a punch in the nose, if you will. He says, well, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. In other words, you're a bunch of phonies. Your works testify against you. That's, pretty, that's a hard thing to say. People don't generally come to a building to have a rabbi or a pastor or a teacher tell them those things. They want sweet things. And Jesus is saying pretty hard things. Then he goes on in verse 44. I want you to go there while I get a sip of water. They're bragging about uh, 
they're, that they're kin to Father Abraham. Abraham's our father, da-da-da-da-da. And Jesus says, uh, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Friends, your father, not y'all, he's Jesus speaking to them. Friends, your father is not Abraham. Your father is the devil. How do you think that would go over this morning if I said that to you? To those who had believed. But what Jesus knew, it was the truth. It, they believed. What does that mean? They, did they duck their head in a moment of emotion? Did they raise their hand? Somehow they indicated they were excited about Jesus. They were believing the words he said. And yet their belief fell to the ground like a lead balloon. And Jesus is saying, your father's not Abraham. Your father's the devil. And it says, uh, your will is to do your father the devil's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar. He's the father of lies. Jesus is telling these people the truth. I remember when my friend Dave Fuller, and sorry, Dave, we tell stories and usually no names, but you've already said it in this pulpit. David said he's, he's a missionary. And Dave said he was doing what a lot of us do as we get older. <clears throat> you know? You know, Dave? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he likes me. He, like, like me, likes to eat a lot. And so David was feeling a little tired, a little run down. And so David has lots of friends. He called his physician friend. He said, man, I, I've been traveling over to Sudan. I've been traveling all these places. I, I'm just worn out. Doc, I, I don't know. I might have something wrong with my heart. I, I don't know what the problem is. It might be, a, might be malaria. I don't know. And so he goes in there, and the doctor does all these tests on him. And the doctor comes back and wants to see Dave in his office. And Dave goes, hey, so do I have malaria? He goes, no, don't have malaria. Uh, kind of some, kind of rare, some kind of rare disease. And he goes on. Dave keeps offering these things. And the doctor goes, no, no, Dave. He goes, well, what do I have? Dave, you're fat, you're overweight, and you're out of shape. <laughs> now, was that mean or was that grace? Was it mean or was it Grace. David would tell you it was grace. The guy loved him enough to tell the truth. And so we see the same thing here with Jesus. He's telling those who supposedly had believed. But really what we see, we see by the way they respond to Jesus. We see, we see their heart because the Bible says out of the out, uh, overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We see in this passage that follows that it's clear they don't know the Lord. And so Jesus is really showing them grace by telling them the truth. And the truth is who he is, the freedom that comes with being a disciple, that their father, in fact, was not Abraham. It is, in fact, the devil himself, and that they need to turn and repent. He told them that hard truth. And then he even goes on and says, <clears throat> he says, um, you guys, you don't know this, but your father Abraham actually rejoiced. He knew the Messiah would come. He rejoiced to see my day. Abraham did. He, he looked forward to me. And so the Jews said to him, Jesus, you're not 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, they're talking about their pedigree and their spiritual pedigree and how they're on the line of David. Congratulations. You know what? That doesn't mean squat. 
That doesn't mean squat. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He doesn't have any great-grandchildren. He doesn't care if your uncle was an Episcopal priest or a Methodist minister or your grandmother led Bible studies in Chicago in 1925. He doesn't care about all that stuff. What he cares about is you. And so he cares enough to speak the truth, much like David Fuller's doctor, to in love speak the truth and say, this is true of my disciples, but this is true of you. He's telling them the truth, and his words are not condemnation. They're actually an invitation to life, to know him. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Here, Jesus is saying, if you knew who stood before you, I am not only greater than Abraham, before Abraham even was, I am. Before Abraham was even thought of, I am God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.